Hey guys, thanks so much for Anchor. I appreciate Anchor and their support for giving me this platform for uh, podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the guys at SolderWeld at www.solderweld.com. And they are the makers of Hot Block Round Rod, 15% silver solder. Uh, of course, uh, Hot Block, which is hashtag block the burn. I just love those guys. So check SolderWeld out at www.solderweld.com. Now, today is a super special podcast. It's totally impromptu. I wasn't planning on doing it. But I have John here from Parker Sporlin. And John is the Parker Sporlin rep for the Southwest United States or just California and Arizona? And Utah. And Utah. Yep, California, Arizona, Utah. So... You have all those states, and you travel to those states, right? You just cruise around, you travel, and you meet with air conditioning companies and stuff like that? Yes. So we're also going to be talking about Zoom Lock, because you brought a Zoom Lock kit. So there's going to be a make sure that you're looking for, if you follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and all those places. I'm going to be putting out a bunch of Zoom Lock content. I have no idea how it works, but I think the technology is there. And the way the new refrigerants are moving and, and the practices are moving as far as clean refrigeration with oils, that ZoomLock is a viable alternative, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've been, how long have you been with Parker? I'm in my eighth year with, with Parker Hannafin. Is it Parker Hannafin or Parker Sporlin? Well, it's Parker Hannafin, the Sporlin Division. Sporlin Division. Yeah. And so... You guys created, you didn't create the ZoomLock, right? No, we did not. We were partnered with RLS, and they're the ones who created the product. So did you, did the company, did Parker say, hey, we like it so much, we're going to acquire it, or is it a joint partnership still? It's a, it's a joint partnership. Joint partnership. Yeah. Yeah. So they make the product. Correct. And then it comes over. So when I look at the packaging, it doesn't say Sporlin ZoomLock. It, what does it say? Is it... Is that what happens? It's it's yeah. It's Parker, Hannafin. Parker, Parker Hannafin. Yeah. Zoom lock. Zoom lock. Correct. Okay. So it's all made in uh, Missouri. No. Oh, so American right made. Yeah, American made. Street. Right on. And uh, yeah, we we have it all all over. So how long have you been in the trade? I mean, have you been all of this the whole time you've been in the trade? Has been in sales rep, or were you doing something before that? So yeah, when I came on with Parker Hannafin eight years ago, uh, I, I started off with tech support and doing you know assistance at our home office in uh, Missouri. In you living in Missouri Washington, then? Missouri, living in Washington, Missouri, correct. Okay. I'm a native of Southern California, and so ultimately I took a, a position outside in sales, and now I'm back in Southern Cal, based out of Southern California, covering. The Southwest. The Southwest. And prior to that, my background is as a mechanical engineer. I used to be a valve designer, and um, so that's when I, when I was looking for to change some things up, I found Sporlin, Sporlin valve, and it was a great fit. So, do you have a mechanical engineering degree? Yes, I do. Oh, you're super smart, then. <laughs> right? I mean, you're pretty smart. You're not, you're not dumb. I, I, mean, I, I squeaked through. You squeaked through. Yeah. And where did you end up going to school? Cal Poly Pomona. Okay. Cal Poly Pomona. That's a good school because there's a lot of people there that went from Cal Poly Pomona. And then that was a stepping stone to Cal San Luis Obispo. 
did you go to end up going to college or did you get your degree no. in Cal Poly Pomona? Because I've got friends that went they I went to Cypress College for air conditioning, and then you could go to Cal Poly Pomona for like a mechanical degree, or a lot of people went up to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for an air conditioning degree. Yeah, San, San Luis Obispo is a very very well known school. They do a really good job with training their engineers and especially in HVAC refrigeration. Okay. So you're you're doing your thing, you're cruising through with your degree, you're designing valves, an opportunity comes with Sporland. <clears throat> Sporland comes along, you're you're moving to Missouri, and then was the Zoomlock process already developed when you started? Or was RLS doing it on their own? How did how did that relationship come about? So the product was under development for years before Parker Hannafin ever got into the mix. Mm -hmm. So we kind of jumped in, we started working with it. I, I don't know all the backstory behind that, but maybe 2014 right. time frame. And then in 2015, we released commercially. So that's when we were, you know, at the forefront, uh, moving the product into the industry. <clears throat> There's installs back to 2012 so test installs and testing were going back you know much much before outside of Missouri yeah oh, okay. oh well the te I don't know if I don't know if there were installs outside of Missouri but um, but but testing and the product development yeah that goes back well before 2015 so so here we are now five years into it basically because 2020 is around the corner and but you're you're, that's when it comes out commercially. So it's been before that. So you've really been out there with the, the kit, the press lock kit, doing work. There's just, are they still out there? Still out there running? Yeah. Right? They're out there pressurized. They're doing their thing. Yeah. And then the, the decision is to go commercial. Was it a huge success when it came out of the gate? Or was it like, did the trade push back and go, whoa, this is so new. I don't like it. Because right now, it's taking off. Like right now, is even the old school techs like me, who've been in the trade, you know, since dirt, and, you know, since the 80s, we're starting to see, because unfortunately, the new refrigerants are not as forgiving, the new oils are not as forgiving, PoE is not as forgiving. So cleanliness inside the tubing, the, you know, there's no carbon built up from a braze, or uh, maybe you're in a hospital where you can't, uh, do a pipe connection with a torch because there's oxygen being used. I mean, all of this, there's safety protocols. You guys are killing it because these safety protocols are being met and you're still pressing and creating a tight seal. But there had to be, when it first came out, some techs were like, no. Oh, yeah. So that's, that is the ongoing battle that we have. Is, you know, brazing's been around forever. And what I tell people is, is brazing isn't going away. It's got its place, and press connections have their place, and there are some places where you're not even going to get in there with a, a press tool. Mm -hmm. But there's a, a lot of places where, like you say, it's it's cleaner, it's safer, it uh, it provides a solution that a braze won't give you. But there's always been a resistance by the you know the old guard, and. When we first came out, and, and to this day, there are some places that are more accepting and pick it up quicker than other places, but we just continue to go out and educate 
spent a lot of time doing trainings with contractors, trainings at schools, and making people aware of what the product is. So, <coughs> I, You said something that I really like. You said that Parker Hannafin does not want to replace the Braze connection. You never want to replace brazing. It's almost kind of close to what you said. That's huge because so many manufacturers come on the market, and you're a manufacturer rep, come on the market and they say, hey, my, my way of doing business is the new way. We're going to make that way obsolete. And instead, you're saying brazing's never going to go away. We're giving you an alternative, a second platform that parallels brazing in areas where you can't braise and a press fit may be better. Correct. Right? Yeah. I mean that's that's huge because you're you're you understand the fact that brazing is never going to go away and it is so popular and it's a great connection but maybe you got a job where a burn permit or a hot works permit or you've got chemicals and somebody says you can't torch up you know well I got to run this line set I got to go from here to there and you've got airborne chemicals or you've got a 24 to 48 hour burn permit how are we going to do that? Well, let's go. And when you need to braise, you can braise. But when you need to press, you need to press. I think that's admirable, quite honestly. It's admirable on Parker Hannifin for doing that. Now, is that... Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's many reasons why someone would choose to do a press connection. But... What are some of the reasons? Like, what are the top... Are there top five reasons that Parker Hannifin says in their sales, like... These are the top five that we want to go after. Well, I, I, I mean, the one you mentioned a minute ago was cleanliness. <clears throat> so when you, when you do a press connection, it's perfectly clean inside. You don't have to be flowing nitrogen. But that's not what a lot of contractors are thinking about when they're picking up a press tool. What they're thinking about is, hey, I don't have to, I don't have to do a fire watch. I don't have to get a, a, a burn permit. I can go onto this job, I can get the job done, and I can walk away. So it's, it's selfish motivation, but it's, it's a reality. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a solution. So the, the two places where we really shine is any job where you're going to have to have a hot work permit or a fire watch, or a large construction job where you're just running so much pipe that the press connection takes so much time out of the job that it doesn't make sense to do otherwise. Because your, your press connection, now I've been on large multiple store jobs, and I'm going around with my tanks, and I'm bringing tanks around, and I'm carting them around, and I undo the hose, and I'm up brazing, and I'm brazing connections, and I'm doing whatever I need to do, and then the tank's empty, and I've got to get more tanks, I've got to go back down below. Here, the tool is battery-driven. I can have a charger. I can have... Have you ever counted maybe 500 presses before the battery goes? A thousand no, it's, presses? It's not that much. That would be great. It, it's, uh, you know, it's, I say about 100 presses. That's still so a lot, though. So, reality is, is if you're doing maybe small crimps, like 3 eighths half, you might be able to get 150 out of there. If you're doing larger crimps, like 1 and 8, 1 and 3 mm-hmm. eighths, you're going to be closer to that 100 mark, maybe 100, 100 and a quarter, something like that. That's still a lot, though. You've got two batteries, you can do a lot of pressing. You'd yeah. be busy the whole day on two batteries. Oh, yeah. Go home for the end of the day and then charge well, up overnight and then come back. Yeah. Or you got the charger too, right? The battery charges in and 15, it comes with the kit. 15 minutes. Yeah, it comes okay. with the kit. Yeah. Oh, so how long? 
15, 15 I'd say 15 minutes. And it charges up to 100%. Yeah. Awesome. So you have the press kit where we know that there's two applications that Parker Hannafin's really going after. Cleanliness, no fire watch, no hot works permit. Um, it works in both refrigeration and water. No? Or is this really being designed for refrigeration only? Like if somebody said, oh my God, I love this thing. And I get that there's other kits out there. I do. I get that there's other kits out there. But I'm only concerned about yours. Could I use this for a water source heat pump? For bringing water into a unit? Or is it like, no. Yeah. Oh, you can't. So it's approved for non-potable water. Oh, okay. So you can do non-potable water, glycol, but it's not for drinking out of. Just because of the seals and things like that, right? Yeah, my, <clears throat> I, I believe that the, the lubrication that goes on the seals is not intended for human consumption, and so that's, that's the barrier there. So if you're but otherwise, it's just it's copper with a with Boilers, seal. you know, yeah. we can run boiler loops, I can do boiler loops. I think the, big, the reason I ask that is, is because some kits are mostly water only, and yeah. here's your kit. I don't have to buy two kits. I only have to buy one, and I can go out and do HVAC, I can do this, and then somebody can turn around and go, hey, we're installing a water source heat pump in commercial building A, and you could use the same kit, the same adapters and everything, yeah. and go out and run and, and run in both soft copper and ACR hard drawn, Correct. because it works for both. Correct. Some kits don't. Some kits are pretty much predominantly all soft. Some are mostly hard. I think that's huge because it's it cuts back on having to have redundancy. You only have to have one kit. Me as a building owner, I don't have to come out and buy multiple kits, right? I can buy just the one, and I can do all sorts of tasks and jobs and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. There are guys who have been doing this with water, and that's those are a lot of our early adopters because they're, they're comfortable. This press technology and this type of press connection was initially released in 1999 for water. Oh, holy So we're, we're 20 years in. 20 years in. Yeah. So we've moved that into the refrigeration air conditioning space. Well, the contractors that are doing, mechanical contractors, they're already doing the water side. They already own the tool. So many of them are able to just get jaws that fit their tool and they can do everything. So they're, for, for them, it's a, it's a no-brainer. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know this. So 1999, so, you know, you're all the way back. You know, like you said, we're coming up on 20 years. Yeah. We had spoken because a lot of people would take your connection and go, like I saw at AHR last year in Atlanta, and then we spoke about this. This young guy, this young engineer's got this fitting saying it'll last 30 years. And people are like, well, how can you say that? We don't really have 30 years. But you actually do. You have almost 20 years of press fit connections that are still out there in the industry, working today. Yeah, you know, to, cl to, <clears throat> to be clear on this, the, the water side fitting, it's, it's very similar to what we've got, but it's mm. a different elastomeric, it's a different seal material. So I wouldn't use that okay. as a comparison. What we're looking at is the automotive industry and we're looking at the seal material that they're using in automotive. So that, we've got 30 years of experience using our material with, with refrigerants through the automotive industry. Now, I know that's not apples for apples with right. a building, right. but that's, 
That, in addition to accelerated, you know, failure testing, li uh, accelerated life uh, testing, is where we base how we base our our thirty year rating. But yeah, but on the on the water side, twenty years. That's it, it's been going strong for twenty years. Wow. And now I've been told by some contractors that better than fifty percent. Some of them say way more than fifty percent of the fittings that are going in on the water side in, in, in new construction are press connections. They're just not running the torch that much on the water side. So I, so it sounds like, I mean, you guys have got a lot of experience and a lot of guys may be listening, ah, I'm still not going to use it. Unfortunately, you have to change, and I'm, I'm an old guy. You know, I'll be 56 here in a couple months. And I have to change. Like, if I don't change with the industry, then you get stuck in your ways. You know, a lot of guys are always freaked out about this new phase-out of R22 going away. You know, I was in the phase-out with R12 and R502. The trade did just fine. 404A came out. Um, there were some alternative 409 and stuff and MP39. I mean, there were some gases that came out. And there'll be some new stuff. R22 is going to go away. And... There's some alternatives like Blue On and Choice Refrigerants, got a 421A. I mean, there's all these drop-in refrigerants, but we're changing. The trade's ever, always changing. Is there something I've got to imagine without you spilling the beans, without you spilling the beans, that Parker Hannafin's got, because it can't just be with this press, the Zoom Lock. There's got to be something else. Is there new stuff coming on the works that's going to tie in with this, or is this that's going to be more advanced, that's going to be more amazing, that maybe, yes, no? Outside of, outside of this technology? Means yeah. Something, well, Sporlin is constantly developing product, and we're, we're, we've got our, our fingers into, uh, obviously, forever we've been doing filter dryers, mm -hmm. expansion valves, we do pressure regulators, we're doing a lot of electronic. Of that though, right? What's that? You don't rep any of that? I, I cover all of that, yeah. Oh, you do? I, I cover all of oh. that, yeah. So I did an expansion valve training this morning for uh, a, a local tech school. Oh, so like, yeah. like I'm going to hook you up with some training. I yeah. didn't know you did training. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to that, we've got test equipment. We have controls. We've got electric valve, you know, electrical EVs, valves. EVs, yeah, EVs, like steppers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you guys so, do all of that. So we're doing, yeah, we're doing all of that, and we're constantly looking for more solutions to the needs that are present in our industry. So yeah, we're we're doing a lot. So you go back to the zoom lock. So on on the zoom lock side, I'll just share with you that how those dovetail together is we've got now we have filter dryers that are ODM by ODM, so they're totally compatible with zoom lock. You can just press in a filter dryer. You can press in a sight glass. You can press in a solenoid valve. You can press in. Originally, you didn't have that. You just had fittings. Yeah. Now we've so got. So now you've got all that. We've got all that. That's right. So they're pre-brazed, pre-ready to go. They're. We still have to do some prep work. You know, sanding. You yeah. Know, all that still stuff. We have to clean it up. We have to, you know, make sure everything's good to go, and then off you go and you press. Yep. So there are some changes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me. As we move into R290 and some of the new refrigerants, brazing is still going to be there, but it's going to have the pipe, the inside of the pipe is going to have to be so clean because that if you don't get enough nitrogen into the system when you're doing a pre-purge or a braze purge, that your carbon built up on the inside of the pipe, it gets into the oil 
This eliminates that on super clean systems where you have no contamination, you're able to pull a double, triple evacuation, you're able to pull a decay test, you're able to do all that and this black stuff doesn't get inside the carbon, doesn't get inside your EEVs because your stepper valves are very minute, right? That's they're right. Little, they're, they're very small. So a little bit of carbon can get inside there and plug those little ports. That's right. Am I wrong or wrong? Am that's, I wrong or right? That's right. That's right. That contamination is a huge concern. Uh, VRF systems, which are becoming more prevalent, and mini splits, they're very sensitive to that. So many manufacturers are are actually, they're glad to have solutions that, that are, are not going to contaminate their system. So press connection is one of those. So you got the press connection, like you said, with the ductless and the VRF. Are they coming to you? Like are manufacturers coming to you? Have it, has it happened? And if, if you say, I can't say anything because it's proprietary, I get it. Have they come to you and said, listen, we're thinking about making it so that as a manufacturer, they can't braze. Because techs are not pre-purging with nitrogen and not doing a nitrogen purge. You know, Mr. Parker Hannafin, I'm over here, Mr. Manufacturer. We're thinking about making it so that our equipment can only be zoom locked. We haven't had that yet. Uh, that would be very interesting, though, if that happened. But right. we haven't had that yet. Most of the manufacturers, they essentially... Their their perspective is, we we have a we have a warranty on the equipment, and we're not going to tell you how to run your your pipes, but obviously if you contaminate the system and it it kills the equipment, then that's going to void the warranty. Mm -hmm. So it's incumbent on the contractor to put that system in clean. So there's could be yeah, somewhere yeah. along the line, in a roundabout way, yeah, that they could come back because manufacturers are smart. You know, the old days, a compressor would fail. I would just go down. I'd swap the compressor out under warranty. They'd give me a new one, and I'd watch the, the parts guy pull the tag and throw the other one away. Manufacturers now know that a lot of compressors that fail under warranty are not because of the compressor and the way it's made. It's Maybe it's in the installation and the service and design and install of the system. Mm -hmm. So they're taking those compressors... They're cutting them in half, they're pulling the top off, they're taking the inside guts out, and they're pulling the oil, and they're breaking down the oil, and they're like, whoa, where did all this carbon come from? You know, Mr. Technician, Mr. Installer, you know, you killed this, <laughs> you know? That's, your warranty that is void. That carbon doesn't come from the factory. Yeah, your, your warranty is void. Like, we're not going to warranty. We're going to give you this one, but the next one... You're done. And all of a sudden, you're having to tell the customer, you know what, um, you know, if this second compressor goes, I'm going to have to charge you, you know, or something like that. It almost makes business sense. And this isn't a, this is just me talking. We haven't, if you guys are driving around listening and going, oh, Mike's doing a sales pitch. Mike has, John and I haven't spoken at all. So John's looking at me going, I have no idea where he's going. <laughs> It almost becomes smart business, maybe, in certain applications to do a press fit over a braze fit. Absolutely. We, we have a, a contractor in Prescott who started pressing because the, the equipment manufacturer and the rep said, <clears throat> if, you, if you press this in, we'll extend the warranty 
Mm. And they were doing the hospital extension up up north. So, yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a perfect example of where it was in the best interest of the equipment manufacturer to make sure that that equipment went in well. Have there been... It's going to be a loaded question. Here's a negative question. Okay. Have there been failures where Parker Hannafin designed this system and it didn't perform the way they thought? And there were maybe refrigeration systems where the elbows blew apart. Or even with marking and pressing and putting the seal... Were there failures in the beginning, or there? I, pretty much by now, you've got it all figured out. Were there fails, failures in the beginning that maybe created a certain reputation or something, or a certain aura that, hey man, this press fit thing is not the way to go? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm really glad you asked it because there's a lot of it's a small industry and people talk, right? Right. So if something goes wrong, they're going to make sure and let everybody know about it. So sometimes we've got a a real uphill battle to fight because somebody will have a job go south. And the question is, what, what happened? Was was that on us or was that on them? Whose fault was this? And we're not out to point, point fingers, but has there been any mistakes on our part? There, there have been, there've been some things that there've been some fittings that have gone in that weren't, uh, what they needed to be. But here's the thing I would emphasize, and I'll tell you what those failures are, but I want to emphasize this first. Before we started this, I, I went through and I shared with you the process of how to how to put these fittings it's in. It's a five-part process. Five-part process. I got five, you there. Five steps to prep. And it's easy. Five steps easy to prep. But after we were done pressing, there was another step. Do you remember what that was? We did the press, the step, we marked it, Sanded it, marked it, deburred it. We had to visualize it, put it in the fitting. Yeah, but inspect it. it. Oh, and then we had to inspect it in that little feeler gauge. Okay, the last step when you're <clears> done <throat> is you got to take that that gauge the and crimp make gauge. sure that it's crimped correctly or all the way. That's correct. That's correct. And when a technician puts that gauge on, they can know whether or not they they got a complete crimp. So I think the thing that I learned was. Is that I've used it? I haven't used it on the job. Was that I could take the machine after it's already done the crimp, pull it away, check the gauge because I did. I checked the gauge; it didn't crimp all the way. I put the tool back on the crimp, on the connection, and crimped it again. And it didn't like squeeze it down more or crush it. I I did it twice, and and it stopped and put the feeler gauge on. Perfect. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of guys are afraid, maybe like, well, it's crypt once, can't go back and do it again, or it's going to crush it. Yeah, you can That's recrimp it. True. You can recrimp it. The, the thing I would, just a side note, is that when you put that gauge on there, that, that crimp gauge, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to go over the flashing. And so some people think you've got to be able to put that gauge in and spin it 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. You don't. If you can get that gauge on any which way, if it'll slip over one of those crimp bands then that means that the jaw closed mm-hmm. completely and you've got a good crimp. The reason I bring this up is because we did have a situation where we had fittings, specifically one and one eighth inch fittings, and the combination of the, the fitting and the jaw 
was such that we had we had crimps in the field that weren't they weren't getting completely crimped. The the the, the fix was we changed the jaw profile on the the jaw, and we replaced everybody's existing <clears throat> jaw with a new jaw for free. For free, yeah. Wow, crazy. And that that new jaw pro- profile is a little more aggressive, and so it'll it'll do the crimp in one shot. <clears throat> the previous jaw. Sometimes it didn't do it in one shot. And as a matter of fact, there, there were cases where sometimes if you hit it you know, twice, it still wouldn't do a complete crimp. But in every single instance, if the technician had used the gauge that they're supposed to do every time, if they put that gauge on there, they would have known immediately, hey, this didn't get completely crimped. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, somebody did get hurt. I don't know to what extent, but somebody did, they did get hurt because it blew, it blew off. Once you pressurize it, if you don't have a complete crimp, then you potentially have a, a hazard there. Well, so, and, and I could see that. So you guys made a mistake. Yes. There was a design flaw in the original crimp system. Unfortunately, because it is a small industry, we all talk. So even if it happened five years ago, somebody will say, hey, I'm going to do a crimp job with the Parker Hannafin Zoom Lock. Dude, don't do that. Man, I heard back in the day this thing blew and it took some guy's face off when it really just, you know, it really just blew and, you know, and popped off in his face. They're going to, you know, the story's going to go around the campfire and before you know it, it's, you know, it killed him, took his head off. It's like, that's not even true. Right, right. So they hold on to that. They hold on to that past. Yeah. Not knowing that Parker Hannafin stepped up, which I didn't know. Yeah. Replaced everybody's jaws, made it so that the gauge, the feeler gauge, was in the kit because they probably realized somewhere like we've got to provide them a way to test it other than mm, okay, it stopped. I would assume, right? Or was the feeler gauge always part of the kit? The gauge has always been a part of the kit. It's always been a part of the process. But, but it's you're never right. Been we, emphasized. we started giving them out for free, left yeah. and right, because we wanted to make sure everybody knew that hey, this gauge is really important. It's part of the process. And it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make that injury small because I don't know, who, I don't know what happened. I don't know. No, I get you. I don't probably. know who it was, but somebody's but, listening, going, I know exactly what happened. Yeah, I know. If, if that gentleman's listening, maybe he's got a different perspective on the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what Parker handled. But I mean, because, honestly, I could be brazing, and I've done it. I've got a huge scar. This this scar right here it looks bad. It's bad, right? That's from thirty three years ago. When I was brazing on a line set on a church in Santa Ana, California, yeah, California, over off McFadden, like the McFadden and the 55 freeway, and I'm brazing on a line, and I don't know, I shifted somewhere to get into a weld or like whatever, and I fell forward, and because I got a lit torch, and I've got a stick of solder in my hand, right, and I fell forward, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm into this piece of pipe, and this 7 8 pipe is burning. I mean, it's just like sizzling on my arm that I had just got done brazing before I could, like, get my hand around to turn the torch off, drop the torch, and push myself away. But by then, now, does that mean that I'm going to hate brazing and that every piece of pipe I come to, oh, man, I remember back 34 years ago, don't you braze because you're going to fall into that pipe. That's crap. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly. To hold something accountable for five years, especially when Parker Hannibal said, it, admittedly, our jaws are not correct and we're going to fix it. Right. 
And that's exactly right. We, we, we are. We stand behind it. So you guys replace the jaws. You get all new kits out there. Now the gauge is part of the kit. Then it becomes a re-education issue because it's almost like you went out on the, the network. You're showing everybody the press fit, the kit, right? Zoom lock. Showing everybody the zoom lock. The jaws come back. You add the gauges to it. You almost have to re-educate. Like, oh, we got to go back on the road again and re-educate everybody again. Well, there again, the jaw, the the gauge has always been there, so they've, they've always had that gauge. So we didn't have to teach anybody that. But 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 have you always but, had that but, plastic piece? We put yeah, the copper. That's always been. Yeah, there? the depth insertion tool. Uh, that's always been a part of the kit, and the the crimp. Uh, the crimp what gauges. hasn't been part of the kit that you added? Was the reamer always part of the kit? Always. Always. Yeah. Mm. And again, because this is this technology's been around for twenty years, we, we didn't have to reinvent this wheel at all. We just mm. took what was already being done and we said that's what we're gonna do. You just had to reinvent the education. You had to go back and re educate people. So here's here's what I would tell everybody. If you're thinking about using Zoomlock, you definitely need to get trained on how to use Zoomlock. It's fast, it's super easy, but if you do it wrong, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and it's going to cost you a lot of money. So how do you do that? You get online. You go to zoomlock.com. There you go. And you just watch the you watch the training video. It takes you about 12 minutes. If you want to take it a step further and get certified, you take the test. you got to get 100% on the test. You can take the test multiple times, but you got to get 100%. If you can't get 100% on the test, I think you should probably watch that 12-minute video again and make sure you know what you're doing. Because I'm going to fail the test. Because I'm horrible at that. So I'm going to have to watch it a couple of times. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get okay. it. Like, it's not that hard. Okay. It's not that hard. But, you know, you, you've, you've, you've got you've to sand the pipe off before you put that mark on there. Well, because if you, if, you sand, if, you put the, if you put the mark on the pipe before you sand it off, then you're going to sand the mark off the pipe. So the order of operations is important. And that order is inside the box. It's, you yeah. get the kit. It's all in there. I That's saw right. it. That's right. You can read through it. But I want to go back. I want to go back to a conversation that you and I had before we did the podcast. We spoke about something that is I didn't think about, which is if I take a piece of pipe, and I push it into the dimple mark, I mark the whole thing, do everything that I'm supposed to do, I take the piece of pipe and I push it inside the crimp connector, the connector, the butt connector, the fitting. The fitting. Yeah. I crimp one side, and in my head I'm crimped one side, and then I go on... And for whatever reason, I'm so sure of myself that I don't pressurize it, but I pull a vacuum, an uncrimped connection will pull a vacuum. Correct. The Until you pressurize it, and or somebody goes, oh my God, Dad, dude, you know, Dad, not Dad, but oh my God, John, we've, we're down to 500 microns, and I just did a decay blank-off test, and it held at 500 microns for an hour. Dude, we are set. Then you go ahead and you put 150 pounds of charge in it, and you throw the compressors and start saging, and all of a sudden, boom, it blows in the attic, and the first thing everybody says is, that crimp connector is a piece of crap. That's right. right. That's Which right. is true. That's right. That's, they're going to, That's what everybody's they say. Going it's to. not true, but it's such yeah, a I get say. you. So we have to really make sure, as refrigeration AC techs, that we're following the practices that are set in stone and know because if you do make a you do a crimp but you don't inspect the whole crimp 
the connection and you pull a vacuum without pressurizing and blow the charge, that's not really on Parker Hannifin. That's on you, Mr. Technician. I, you know, Parker Hannifin would get the blame. You know, those things sucks. But in reality... It would have happened with a brace too, It would have happened with the brace. Well, you wouldn't have pulled a vacuum because I think that's the key. Oh, Uh, yeah. Because that rubber seal wouldn't have sealed and they would have been like, man... We cannot get into a vacuum. We're stuck at a thousand, and then you turn your gauges off, and then your decay test fails. That I think is the key. So when we're using that the zoom lock, we have to really make sure that we're following the five steps. I think that's why the certification is there. That's right. So how many people? So if they bought the kit, and they just show up on the job and they're like, "Hey, Bill, what's it going, dude? We got this new kit. We're gonna try it." I don't know how it works. I bought a bunch of fittings, and we're going to run this line set on this VRF, and we're going to do all this stuff because they said, I don't I don't want flare fittings up inside the box. I want crimp fittings, and I'm not going to wait for a burn permit, so we're going to press fit this thing, right? And then it fails. They've really done no service to themselves. They really got to... You know, they really got to watch the whole video. Yeah, they've done a huge disservice because it gets really expensive really quick if they put the whole system in wrong. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a a level of attention to the detail of it that some technicians just aren't willing to give. So they're, they're, they're able to brace, but they may not be, they may not be uh, cleaning the, cleaning the pipe off very well, they may not be deburring the end of the pipe, they may not be flowing nitrogen, but at the end of the day, nobody knows, and the brace holds up. That doesn't fly with press connections. If they're not going to pay attention to the details, clean the pipe off, no nitrogen required, Mm -hmm. but make sure you mark the insertion depth, inspect the pipe. If they don't do that, what some of our contractors do is they'll they'll give their techs or their installers, they'll give them each a, a different color pin. And so when they mark the insertion depth, it's in one color or another color. And when they pop, some of them even have them put their little insignia or their signature on each, on each crimp that they do. It doesn't oh, take sure. but a second. But when it's done, you go back and you find, hey, we have 10 red connections that are leaking, but all the blue connections are good. Hmm. Maybe we need to work with <laughs> the gentleman with the red pin. But again, and we're not trying to point blame, but we're trying to we're trying to encourage each person to take that pride of, of ownership of what they're doing. They got to do it right, and and that could totally happen on a brace connection. You could have ten welds that the guy in blue did, and ten welds that the guy in red did, and the guy in red didn't pull the solder down deep. He didn't make sure there was a billet all the way around, and he's got little pinholes where he overflamed it and burnt out the flux. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. Yeah. And that, hey, we need to go back with that guy and retrain him how to braze. Yeah. So it's not necessarily uh, the zoom lock's fault. It's right. really just a training issue. Right. Yeah. There's there's a number of people that are in my position all over the country, and just so you know, I mean, we do live training as well. So it's Through hard for us. ZoomLock.com. Well, if if. If you go to zoomlock.com, that's that's going to give you that online training. Mm-hmm. But if you reach out to your local uh, zoomlock salesperson, but what if we don't know who that is? Uh, I would check in the parts house and just ask them. Okay. Yeah, just ask them. Okay. We don't have 
we, we, there's not enough of us to, to go to everybody all the time, but just, just make, I just want to make people know we're doing that all the time. We're constantly doing trainings. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of what we're doing to try and make sure everybody knows what to do and they're doing it right. So you're doing the training. Parker Hanneman is spending a lot of money to have that trailer drive around the country and, you know, press it and show the explosion proof. Yeah. You know, the thing blow up on the inside. Yep. Does Parker Hannafin say to themselves, man, we've been training for 10 years, or is it something that's always going to be part of your program? I think it's always going to be part of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, they're not going to look at it and say, well, been 10 years, we're at the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're at the Alamo, we're done. It can't get any better than this, you know, or any more than this. It just be a constant training, product training. Yeah, constantly training. As the new as the new technicians are coming into the field, they need to know. They need to be educated on how to do it, how to do it right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, constant process. Do and it's the same thing with thermostatic expansion valves. We're constantly training on those. I can, I'm going to have you back for that, just they, so you know. I can't wait because I'm going to have you back for tons of training. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do it. I look forward to it. But but how many how many people need to to learn about expansion valves? Constantly. And yet, and yet they've been around for eighty years. Right. You know? So. Right. Is um. So Parker Hannifin is like completely invested into it, right? They're completely invested into the Zoom Lock. They're completely invested into um, what they have going on with social media. They're big into social media. Um, the 85 year thing anniversary where if you have some old Parker Hannafin gear you can take a picture and get it on Facebook or social media right and they send out some cool swag is there some really cool are you guys getting some really cool pictures that are really old or some old stuff we have, have you seen it we have we have gotten some cool pictures and there's uh, there's also a lot of technicians who don't know where to find those cool, uh, you know, old valves or, or old literature and what mm -hmm. have you. So uh, you might just give it a shot, take a picture of yourself with some Sporlin product, and mm -hmm. at least get that out there, even if it isn't because that old. Even if it's that uh, that that old. Like for me, and you know, I follow Parker Sporlin on various pages of social media. For me, my favorite expansion valve was the MVE. Now, I love the MVE, and the MVE is a flange body valve. Um, um, they're really big. I've seen some MVE 30s, MVE 40s, and they're huge expansion valves. They don't make them anymore because it's a flange body, um, and I really like it. And, I, and then they moved over to the OVE, Now that's the modern valve to replace the MVE. Yeah, yeah surprise, aren't you? But I, no, like, no. I like the OVE valve because the OVE expansion valve is totally rebuildable, and I can leave the body in it. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got an OVE expansion valve. The expansion valve fails. i got to replace the valve. When you can really buy just the guts and replace the guts on the power head, and it's done. Yeah. I, I love the OVE. Is that one of your popular valves? What is what is your most popular expansion valve? Oh, yeah. The o, o is a very popular valve the for o. those larger capacities. We still make the flange body valves. Well, you do. <clears throat> yeah. They're very expensive, though. They're very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but the O-Valve is very popular. You know, something else that we sometimes do with that O-Valve is in a pinch, 
the the uh, the parts house may have an O valve that's set up for get a specific refrigerant, but if they change the thermostatic element on that, they can actually use it for a different refrigerant. Mm -hmm. And the the capacity shifts, the capacity changes. Mm -hmm. But if you're working with someone that knows what they're doing behind the counter, then they can tell you what that is. So sometimes you don't have to wait to get a valve made from the factory. Our valves are made to order, so that could take a while. You can get it, you can switch it over. And I have had customers also, what you were saying is you can get that kit and you don't have to, you don't have to switch. And sweat it and do yeah. all that stuff. Well, I had a customer once who desperately needed a valve. He couldn't get what, we, what he needed and the capacity that he needed, but he was able to buy the valve and buy the, the kit that was the right capacity. And so mm -hmm. he swapped out the one capacity kit with the other, mm -hmm. and he had the valve he needed. So awesome. anyway, there's some things that people are doing out there to, to get the job done. But. Just, it's one of my favorite valves. I mean, the MVE, the reason I liked the MVE was when I first started the trade, I was working on really big built-ups. <clears throat> and these big MVEs would be sitting there in a flange body, and then all oh, the valve went bad or whatever, and I could, I could just pump the system down, pop it off, you know, take the two bolts off, and then pop the center piece out, put a new one in, bolt it all back together, you know, and, and be gone. And basically, and I could, I think sometimes I could turn the valve in to be rebuilt. They were just, you know, they're so big. They're just a big valve. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of, of Sporlin, Parker Sporlin. Yeah. You know, it's a, you guys make some great stuff. We're still, you're still doing it. Yeah. So, uh, we are at the 45 minute mark. Told you it went fast. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was fast. Super Very fast. fast. And so um, you can find John um, cruising the Southwest um, in Arizona, Utah, Nevada, California. But I would recommend if you are unsure, go to your parts house anywhere that you're listening and ask about the Parker Hannafin Zoom Lock. Find out where to find the local rep. They'll be able to help you. Of course, they have to sell it. They have to rep it. They may not rep it. So you may have to go online or you may have to research your parts house to find it. Um, and then you can also find information about the ZoomLock at ZoomLock.com. Correct? ZoomLock.com. That's another way to find about it. And then I think Parker has a website, right? It's ParkerSporland.com or Parker.com. If you go to Sporlin.com, Sporlin we've actually got a couple websites, so you could go to Sporlin.com, and I'll even give the, the SporlinOnline.com website, which we're, we're, we're working our way over to one, you know, we're going we're gonna to settle out on the uh, Sporlin.com, but, but yeah, uh, we have as well for, for the, you know, the traditional Sporlin products, we have what's called Chill Skills. They can sign up on our website to get in there and do training online for Chill Skills. Mm -hmm. And we have a, um, uh, you know, we send out email and we, we send out a, a newsletter. So Chill E News, Chill E News, you can sign up for that as well. well the one I use is, is Parker.com. Yeah, yeah, This there is you the go. one that I use, Parker.com. It's got virtual engineer, it's got troubleshooting, there's apps. I mean, you guys are so involved in really making my life as a service manager easier. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Anything you wanted to say before we call it? No, I'm good. I, I'd say if, if anybody's got a question, don't hesitate to reach out. We've got tech support, so they can call, they can call the Sporlin headquarters. 
just get on our website. You're going to be able to connect with, with, with us there. And uh, the, um, the literature, all of our literature, bulletins, all that stuff. Because they're all there. It's, it's all online. So awesome. It's, it's the Bible. Awesome. On, on all this. So, as always, you guys, I, I always tell you at the end, um, reach out to Parker, Sporlin, Anafin on the websites. Like I said, I use parker.com. That's on my phone. Um, as always, if you need to get a hold of me for any reason uh, regarding this podcast or any of the podcasts that you hear, you can get a hold of me at HVACReefer. That's R-E-F-E-R, HVACReeferGuy at gmail.com. Uh, and, and of course, please, please be good humans. In fact, be great humans. We are all on the same planet. We all walk on the same dirt. We all breathe the same air. We're all in it together. Go home, hug your loved ones, tell them how much you appreciate them. Cause honestly, that's the reason we get up every day and go do what we do. So work safe, be safe, be good humans. And we will see you guys next time.